I would say that is top priority bar none. Um, whether you're doing your own taxes at the end of the year or you're having a, you know, a, a paid tax preparer or tax professional um, do them for you, it's going to make both your jobs much easier. You're listening to Young Smart Money, a podcast that inspires young entrepreneurs to take their personal finances to the next level. My name is Apple Kreider, and I am a huge personal finance nerd and entrepreneur who's constantly looking for a better way. Whether it's amassing millions of credit card points, learning which parts of the tax code can work to your advantage, or just figuring out how to run your business as smart as possible, I am all about it. Join me as I sit down with some of the smartest financial planners and specialists for young entrepreneurs out there and extract the action steps you need to get the most bang for your buck from your business. Welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Kreider. Today, we are sitting down with Ed Canty to take on the impossible. We're here to make income tax for entrepreneurs sound like something fun. So... (laughs) So get excited. So I know that when people are starting their business, when when you're an entrepreneur who has an idea and you're, you're going after something, income taxes might not be the first thing that's on your mind, but it is important to you to get this piece of the puzzle right. There's not that much that you have to do or think about once you kind of understand it, but it is important to have that foundational knowledge and kind of know the things that you need to be thinking about when you are going into business, when you are starting something so that you can do things the right way the first time, uh, definitely not get in, in any trouble with the IRS, and just make sure that things are flowing as smoothly as possible. So in this episode, we're going to, as simply as possible, as simple as possible, but no simpler, uh, kind of break down what you need to be thinking about in terms of income taxes as an entrepreneur, whether you are just starting off making a couple thousand dollars a month or whether you have a pretty substantial business going on, we're gonna kind of dive into some of the ins and outs you need to be thinking about in terms of when you need to be paying taxes, how much you should be paying, and how to pay a reasonable amount of taxes without paying too much and making sure that you're not uh, subjecting yourself to any unnecessary fees, fines, uh, or just taxes in general. So I hope that you are able to come into this with an open mind. I know when a lot of people hear income taxes, they just shut down and their brains are just done. So I hope you give this an open mind. It's not too long. We tried to keep things as succinct as possible. So without further ado, I'm excited to introduce you to my good friend, Ed and allow him to open our minds to the intricacies of income tax for entrepreneurs. All right, Ed, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. How's it going? Uh, it's going. It's going pretty well. We're we're making we're making the best that we can out of these times. So uh, <laughs> cannot cannot complain. So, Ed, kind of fill the listeners in right now on where you're at in terms of the personal finance space. I know you got a couple things going on in terms of what you're doing online, what you're doing offline. So give the listeners a little 60 second spiel as to what Ed Canty's up to right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm a personal finance. Um, basically, I'm a financial planner um, at my day job, Canty Financial, cantyfinancial.com. So that's what I'm doing every day, helping people plan for retirement, manage their investments, um, do their income taxes, income tax planning, and really the wide array of what a financial planner encompasses for basically a holistic, full-scale financial planning firm. Um, and then on my side job, my little uh, part-time side business, I'm doing a personal finance, basically a, a brokerage review website. 
Um, I do that with Ryan Scribner. He's a well-known YouTuber. Um, so we do a lot of brokerage comparisons, reviews, and some general financial planning and investing topics. So that's kind of what I'm working on right now. And uh, they both kind of work with each other. I get experience in, you know, one-on-one -on -one financial planning, and I can write about it on the blog too. So they, they work well together. Absolutely. And that's kind of why I wanted to sit down with you and kind of chat it up about kind of both sides of the coin there. Cause yeah, we met through Ryan. Um, super cool dude. I'm sure a lot of the listeners are familiar. He was on the podcast a while back. Um, but yeah, so I, I want to start off by focusing more on the, the financial planning side of things, because that's something that is pretty unique. Haven't talked to many financial planners on the show before. So uh, what led you into becoming a financial planner, wanting to work with people one-on-one -on -one um, in, in things like tax and, and, and investments, which for a lot of people aren't their idea of a good time. When, when, when someone says income tax, a lot of people just kind of shut down. They like start shaking a little bit and, and uh, they, don't, they don't really want to be there anymore. So what, what led you toward these areas that uh, aren't, aren't necessarily so common to move towards? Right. So I guess, yeah, initially going out throughout, throughout high school, I would say I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I was kind of indecisive going into college. I kind of knew maybe a business background would be in the cards, but really I've always liked to make money. Um, the stock market has always been an interest to me. Um, and then really going out, I was a finance major in college and then just learning more about the topic and the wide amount of, of uh, you know, things that it covers. It just was, it was fascinating. So, you know, it's an endless learning process. I don't think any financial planner is done learning. There's always new information out there. Um, and then the, the stock market's fascinating as well. You know, no one knows what the stock market's going to do each day. So I think it covered such a, a wide variety of topics uh, that I was just really into it. So um, when I got out of college, um, you know, another influence I would say is my father, who's a financial planner as well. So um, he started our firm, Canty Financial. And uh, basically, I, I joined on after college, and now my brothers joined on. So we're a relatively small firm. Uh, we're growing, but yeah, finance has has kind of just been a, a root topic I've been always had a interest in. I dig it. So in terms of Canty Financial, how I know you said small, but like in terms of number of clients, assets under management, um, how do you guys kind of measure how big you are, and can you give the the listeners kind of a feel for? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we mainly do financial planning. So we, we do investment advising and income tax preparation as our two primary niches. Um, we manage over a hundred million dollars. So in, in the wealth management side of things, it's not massive, um, but it's, it's sizable considering we're a, a small firm that started organically in a, a small town in upstate New York. So um, I think it's, you know, it's unique. So it is, it's interesting. It's cool. Cool. So I want to dive more into, I mean, specifically focusing on like taxes for entrepreneurs, because I know this is an area that a lot of young people, when they're just getting into starting some kind of online business, whether it's kind of like a blog, similar to what you're doing, whether it's a, an Amazon store, some kind of e-com, some kind of like social media marketing, like they don't necessarily, like taxes is not top of mind for them. I mean, it's not like the first thing they're thinking about when they're starting their business. So I want to kind of dive into um, what, what kind of things they should be thinking about and kind of the steps that need to be taken. So in terms of like high level 
income taxes. Cause that's, that's the primary taxes we're going to be concerned about as an entrepreneur is like getting taxed on the money we're bringing in. So can you kind of paint a, paint a picture for what the income tax situation for, for an entrepreneur looks like, like what kinds of taxes are they going to owe? Um, and just kind of how, how does that even look like, where does one even start? Right. Right. And you said it perfect. You know, a lot of these people are working so much on their business, trying to generate revenue, trying to follow up on leads, whatever it is, they're not thinking about taxes and income tax planning as their, you know, primary goal. Not at all. Makes, makes sense. Um, but yeah, a lot of times, you know, I see people who, you know, start side hustles and eventually it grows to a side where it's actually a full-time business. And then I also see others, you know, who, who go after it and really put in some upfront capital and try to start more of a legitimate business upfront. Um, so either way, I would say there's a variety of general principles that, um, that a business owner and self-employed person should be um, checking off on. So really, I would say you primarily want to start off by having extremely good record keeping. Um, I would say that is top priority bar none. Um, whether you're doing your own taxes at the end of the year or you're having a, you know, a, a paid tax preparer or tax professional um, do them for you, it's going to make both your jobs much easier. So I would say um, software like QuickBooks, you know, this is, this is not a paid promotion for QuickBooks, but it will help you so much. It really will. Um, keeping good records, whether it's in Excel, using QuickBooks, just knowing what is coming in, what income is coming in, and where your money is going to pay these expenses is uh, a, a really primary uh, driver, I would say. Yeah, I, I totally, I totally agree with that, and I can speak from a lot of experience. My first year in business, um, before I filed my first tax return, I was keeping terrible records. It was just a total mess, and then tax time came, and I was like. I have to give you what kind of information? Like I was supposed <laughs> to keep a track of what now? <laughs> like yeah. I had to go and find all this stuff. It was a mess. Um, and then Ryan actually showed me his like accounting system and his bookkeeping system. And that's actually still what I use to this day because it's very, I don't know if he's still doing the same thing, but it was just a simple like Google sheet where he just like has all the categories and the months. And like, I can, I can link this up in the, um, in the show notes too, for, for the listeners who want to kind of see what I'm talking about. But um, having, having something is, is a huge win. I actually, I tried QuickBooks and I, I was using them for like three or four months maybe. And then I was just like, you know what, this is kind of overkill for me. Cause I mean, it depends on the type of business too. Like some businesses are going to have a lot more like expenses and stuff. But I mean, if you're, if you're running an online business, a lot of times there's just like not even that much to it. It's just kind of keeping an eye on what, what is happening, you know? Exactly, exactly. I don't think everyone needs to go out and get something like QuickBooks. And you're right, it really depends on the type of business. I would say businesses that have a lot of either capital intensive or have a lot of transactions, you would want to lean towards something like QuickBooks. But if you're more of a lean company, you really don't need it. Excel is fine as long as you're categorizing and keeping track of everything appropriately. So yeah, definitely. Can you do you have any horror stories of, of just like, terrible record keeping or just like examples of what not to do <laughs> i have too many horror stories it's crazy <laughs> you wouldn't believe what these people <laughs> i mean they all I, I understand people don't really understand taxes and accounting and 
That's an understatement. <laughs> uh, but I have had quite a quite a few doozies, you know, people that just basically look at their personal checking account and start writing in what expenses they pay, uh, both personal and business expenses as business expenses. So it can get messy. Um, I would say that is another thing that really uh, to, to keep track of is make, making sure your business expenses are separated from all of your personal expenses. Uh, that's a that's a biggie as well. Yeah. What what are some what are some effective ways to do that? I mean, personally, I've got like separate bank accounts, separate credit cards, and that works pretty well for me. But in terms of kind of what you've seen for for someone, maybe it's just starting out, you know, like what are what are some good first steps to take in terms of splitting those things up effectively? Yeah, no, I would just say, like you said, separate bank accounts for everything. Um, you know, for our, my blog, for example, we just have all separate bank accounts, separate PayPal accounts, you know, a, a separate, we don't operate as um, under our social security number. We actually have an employer identification number and a separate LLC set up for our business, which isn't necessarily required for everyone out there. Uh, but, you know, my business might be a little bit, you know, unique in being a partnership, but generally for, for self-employed people with a smaller business, either separate bank accounts, um, that, that's probably the best way to go and really solid bookkeeping. Totally. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, splitting things up is, is huge. Just, yeah. In terms of keeping track of stuff and, and accounting and, and then also, I mean, liability, if, if something were to happen, um, and you're kind of mixing the pot and kind of pulling from both, that's, that's going to get pretty messy pretty fast. Okay, sweet. So, so say we've got our stuff split up pretty well. We've got our separate bank accounts. We got our separate credit cards. Um, and we, we haven't just been like throwing receipts in a shoebox, like we have like QuickBooks or something to actually like make things, uh, keep track of things. Well, uh, when, when tax time comes around, what should, what should entrepreneurs be thinking about? I mean, what are kind of the, the, the steps to doing this thing, right. Um, and, and kind of what should the considerations be when we're kind of approaching that, that April 15th deadline? Right. Exactly. I, I would say if you're keeping good records and, and, and and really keeping track of things, then tax time really should be a breeze. And I can get into more of the reasons why on that um, later on this, talking about estimated taxes and everything. Uh, but generally, whether you're gonna do your own taxes as a self-employed person, or you're gonna pay for someone to prepare them for you, which I do lean, I'm a little bit biased, but I do <laughs> lean towards self-employed professionals, hiring professional tax preparers, just because the tax prep fee alone, you can be saving even more than that in, in tax savings because there's certain areas um, where their expertise will save you significant amounts of money. So I typically do lean towards a professional tax preparer if you're self-employed, but it's not always required, um, especially if you have a simple, relatively simple business. Um, but, but generally, if you're a sole proprietor or a single member LLC, all your business information, your, your expenses, and eventually your, your net profit will be reported on your 1040 of your tax return under something that's called a Schedule C. Um, and basically, all you'll put into um, the, that schedule on the tax return all the income you made throughout the year and then all the expenses associated with your business. And that could include you know, anything, literally that's anything a business expense, as well as there's unique expenses such as home office, um, uh, car miles, that's pretty unique, and so is uh, depreciation of, of capital assets. 
So I would say those are the three expenses that that people really get kind of bogged down on and confused. Um, I would say depreciation generally should happen to any business asset that you're using to generate income. You know, say you are a a gym, um, your fitness equipment. So you would be depreciating that over the useful life of that asset. You wouldn't be just depreciating or taking the expense all in one year because that, that asset's being used for multiple years um, to, to generate revenue. Um, so that, that's something to consider. Anything that's a large capital asset that's used, it, that's used to make um, revenue for the firm or generate income for the firm, that needs to be depreciated. And I think that is also an area where uh, entrepreneurs can get a little bit bogged down. Totally agree. Yeah, I think for for a lot of online entrepreneurs where it's really just like you, your computer, and just like the 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 knowledge in your head, like stuff like depreciation isn't isn't a huge factor. But yeah, if you do have some kind of brick and mortar business, something like a gym, something like a anything that requires like actual physical stuff, yeah, I mean depreciation is definitely something to to, to keep in mind. And I'm sure a lot of small business owners are not uh, not really thinking much about that. Right. <laughs> Right. And it, it's it's tough because they think typically they'll have a big expenditure. Maybe it's on some piece of equipment and they're thinking this isn't a business expense all in one year um, when that's really not the case. So sometimes it's um, a tough conversation to have with them to explain, you know, you can't you can't expense this twenty thousand dollar asset within one year. It, it has to be broken down. So so in terms of. Uh, I, I know you shared right there some some examples from like mileage and, and depreciation of things that, that some people might not be thinking of in terms of um, their things that they can write off on, on their taxes. What are some things that that you found that a lot of self-employed people think they can write off, but they actually can't? Um, and, and do you see anybody like trying to take deductions on things they shouldn't be like? Obviously, you mentioned like personal stuff. If it's like clearly like you're, you're buying a new car for yourself. And you're not using it for business at all. Like clearly, that's not a it's not a business expense. Um, but are there any things that that are kind of on the borderline that you see people kind of getting tripped up by? Yeah, certain things. I would say, yeah, it's a variety of things where people think they can get an expense, and um, you know, it turns out they can't. Uh, for example, uh, clothing. So, so uh, say you need new work boots, new jeans and overalls. Say you're a construction worker. Um, in that case you would need to, it's only a business expense if you can use that um, uniform strictly in, in your line of work and strictly at work only. So it typically has to be unique clothing. Like if you're a police officer, your police uniform, you know, you can deduct that if you are self-employed, which they aren't, but just an example. Um, but yeah, like certain people think they can deduct pieces of clothing because they use them for work. That's not necessarily the case. Um, and yeah, there's just, most of it is, ends up being personal expenses that people come to us and they try to stretch it into a business expense and it's not necessarily that, that easy to do. So yeah, I wouldn't, I would say there's a variety of expenses <clears throat> that people think they can, they can write off, but they can't maybe uniformed is one of them. Um, I would say when you buy a, if you're buying a truck for, for your, for your business, I would say uh, people think they can write off the entire cost of the truck, and that is not necessarily always the case. That can get a little bit more sticky, but 
typically that's a depreciation situation or an auto mileage. So I'll briefly can explain auto mileage. Basically, if you use your car for work, your car or truck for work, um, and you're using it both for personal and business use, you basically get two options on your, your expenses for your, for your vehicle. You can either take the standard mileage rate, which is a rate based on the number of miles that you drove uh, that were business related for the year, and they'll do a, a percentage of your business miles over your personal miles. So that the, divided by the entire miles you drove for the year, they'll get a percentage that was business use. Um, and then they can give you basically a mileage deduction that way. You can also do it based on actual expenses. So, so adding up your actual insurance, your actual gas, your actual repairs, and you can actually come out with a with a figure based on the actual expenses. Um, where it gets a little bit sticky is whichever whichever method you decide to go with, you need to keep using for that specific vehicle. So say in one year you're using the mileage rate, um, you decide to use it for that vehicle for that year, in the next coming years, you, you need to use the mileage rate um, for those years as well. So sometimes you see construction workers or someone that uses a, a vehicle a lot for their line of business. In that case, um, the actual expenses are typically a bit higher, uh, but for the average worker, I would say the, the mileage is typically the best way to go. I mean, yeah, keeping track of, of all of those different expenses that kind of go into to maintaining a vehicle and, and driving it on a day-to-day -day basis sounds pretty intense. So yeah. I can definitely see why people would opt for the mileage especially if they're just like driving to to meetings with clients and whatnot um trying to trying to keep track and prorate all the all the gas bills and, and everything just seems kind of crazy exactly the mileage rate makes it easy and they just encompass all your expenses within that that standard rate so your insurance repairs maintenance everything like that is all within within the mileage rate so it does make it a bit easier sweet so i don't want to get too in the weeds here but um, all the deductions that we're talking about are going to be above the line, right? Like when we're talking about uh, just just to give, I mean, do you want to give the listeners, I guess, a little insight into the kind of above the line and below the line in terms of deductions and their taxes and how those things kind of work? Yeah, so they're basically, yeah, some people refer to it as above the line or below the line. I would generally say within the Schedule C on your tax return, you're going to have your, your revenue of your business and then all the reporting expenses, it's gonna come out with a net profit. Mm -hmm. And then that net profit on your Schedule C within your tax return um, travels onto the 1040, the main page of the tax return, and it gets added to your income just as ordinary income. I will say with self-employed people, they have to pay self-employment tax, which if you want me to get into that now, I can. Um, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so basically, Self-employment tax is, is um, Social Security and Medicare being paid as both the employer and the employee. So you can think of it as, so basically, uh, Social Security and Medicare, so it's a little bit over 15% um, total, is going to be a deduction as an employer and an expense as an employee as well. So I would say... People get very blindsided by self-employment tax, especially when you're self-employed for the first year, all of a sudden, you know, maybe you made 30 or $40,000 being self-employed. 
and all of a sudden they're hit with you know a ten thousand dollar tax bill and they're like oh my god this is insane why is it so high um, a me. lot of them don't understand <laughs> self-employment tax so you're basically paying for yourself as an employee paying social security and medicare because that's how it works your your employer if you're a regular w-2 employee your employer is paying half of your social security and medicare as a payroll tax um, you as the employee are paying social security and medicare as well about seven and a half percent so when you're self-employed you're basically paying both of those mm, so, so you get both halves up. it's not just yeah, like it's split halves. up it adds up to around 15 percent or a little higher um, and people do they do get blindsided on, on the self-employment tax so i would say um this also ties into you know paying estimated taxes so quarterly what you'll want to do and it's required by the irs and by the states um, you'll basically each quarter come out with a net profit of your business and you'll have to come up with the amount of tax that's owed or will be owed on that income and you'll need to send it in as an estimated tax payment for that quarter so basically you're going to be doing your tax return almost every every quarter virtually so that's another reason why it's really important to have accurate records uh, because you're almost doing your taxes four times in a year you know you have to figure <laughs> out and you'd be surprised how many people don't know their net profit until i give it until I do their taxes and give it to them. Uh, but you should be doing this every quarter and the IRS requires you to send in an estimated tax payment based on the, the income for that quarter. So, yeah. All right, so yeah, so you dropped a lot of valuable information there. I think we might've lost a couple of people just in terms of uh, uh, yeah. hearing, hearing the word tax too many times and their brain just stops working. So to, to, to back it up a little bit, do a little rewind here. Um, the first thing that, that you mentioned was self-employment tax. I think this is really important, and I think people should should really take a second to to understand what what you're saying here. So basically, uh, to to reiterate, um, what what I heard is like when you're when you're employed, your employer is paying half of your Social Security and Medicare taxes. So um, I hope you guys know what those are. Social Security that's hopefully going to give you some money when you retire. Um, and then Medicare is going to help you out when you're old and if you need medical help. So um, you're paying for those things throughout your life. Normally, they're going to be withheld from your paycheck. So, so like you were saying, um, your, your employer is normally just they're paying their half. And then for your half, they're just kind of not giving you that money. Right. So when you look at your paycheck and you see, well, I, I, I earned $10 an hour, but I only ended up with eight. Um, those those two dollars are going to whatever Medicare and Social Security. So. Yeah, so that that kind of ties in. Did you want to add anything else onto that? Yeah, I mean, basically, you you are receiving the net amount of the, the, the sorry the gross amount of your wages, and then on a on your pay stub, you can look at this. You're you're getting the FICA taxes taken out, so Social Security and Medicare will come out of of your uh, of your gross paycheck. So it's a deduction after you, basically an after tax deduction. Sure. But then when you're when you're self-employed, you don't have anyone writing you a paycheck, having your withholdings. So you, you kind of have to you, you both have to pay those every quarter, but then you also have to pay double because there's nobody else paying the other half. So that's kind of that's like you were saying, that's where a lot of people get blindsided because it's kind of like double trouble. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it, it, people do get blindsided at first. Then they start understanding how it works. 
But yeah, I would be very cautious. And that's why I tell, and just as a general principle, if you're self-employed and making under you know $40,000 or so, I would really be saving about a quarter of what you make for taxes. And that's just a general ballpark. But you know, I would I would definitely recommend at least that. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good call. And I so I started doing this probably about a year and a half, maybe two years ago. I opened a separate bank account. I actually follow. I don't know if you're familiar with the Profit First system, um, but there's this dude named Mike Michalowicz. He's got this Profit First system for entrepreneurs for like accounting, where you've got five different bank accounts, and then each one gets a certain percentage allocated to it. So you've got your profit account, your operating expenses, your your owners pay. And then you've got your taxes. So you have like a set percentage each of those accounts. And then you automatically, when money comes in, just gets split to those accounts. And so I started doing that like two years ago. And so my tax account was automatically getting whatever. I think it's like 20%. I just automatically throw it in there um, every time I get paid. And then it just goes to, it even goes to a separate bank. So I don't even see the money that's in the tax account. So then when tax time comes around and I got to write out my quarterly checks, I just go to this account. I see well, shoot, I got like freaking eight grand sitting in this bank account that I didn't even know was here. And then I can just use that to pay my quarterlies. So um, that's, I, I feel like, do, do you see a lot of your clients doing that or is? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a really good way to do it, honestly. And um, everyone kind of has their own methods about going, you know, about saving. Yeah. Time. Others just take the estimated tax penalty, which Basically, you'll, you'll be hit with an estimated tax penalty if you don't pay in a certain amount of estimated taxes um, when you go to file your taxes at the end of the year. So how, so how substantial is that? Is that, should I, should I be considering that? Should I just? <laughs> it can, yeah. no, I would not consider it. Uh, it's, it's so easy to do estimated tax payments. I would do it, but some people are fine with the penalty. The penalty is based on the, the amount of tax that is due. Mm -hmm. um, and they charge you a certain percent interest rate on it, but I would not advise doing it. I would, I would uh, try to make estimated tax payments and get a better understanding of where your, you know, financial situation is sitting. Because a lot of these clients that I have, they, um, you know, they don't even know their their profit of their business when it comes to tax time, which is, you know, it's tough. It's tough to make any financial decisions if you really don't know exactly your you know, profit of your business. Yeah, that's that's pretty appalling that 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 you have clients that just don't even know what their business is making. Because like, I'm I'm a huge numbers guy, so I'm always looking at the numbers. I'm like, okay, did we grow this month? Like, are we moving in the right direction? How's like monthly recurring revenue doing? So like, those things are just like I, I live, breathe, sleep, eat numbers. So like, I'm all about that. But it's crazy. So a lot of your clients, they'll just come to you with like. Their QuickBooks and they'll be like, "Hey, like, am I making money? And like, do I need to pay the government? Like, is that kind of what it looks like?" It, so occasionally, yeah, I won't, I won't say everyone is like that. And sure, sure. You know, a small percentage are in that bucket, but yeah, it does happen. You know, more more common than you would think. That is that is bananas. I mean, wow, wow, <laughs> crazy world out there. Well, okay, so so let's say let's say it's time for for estimated tax payments and. Um, Listeners can probably just look up when those are due, right? But it's like approximately every three months. Yeah, yeah. The months are don't really correspond to each quarter perfectly, but it's generally each quarter um, of the year. So yeah, I would right. just keep on it. And then if you're keeping good records, it shouldn't be a, a huge issue. You should be able to tell your net profit 
pretty in a pretty simple, quick way if you're keeping good <laughs> records. Definitely. So, in terms of uh, a couple questions about that, so when you are making these estimated payments, I mean, number one, like how how accurate do we need to be? Like, do we have to be like on the penny? Like, this is exactly how much profit I made this quarter. Um, do we have a little bit of wiggle room there? Or what's what's that situation handle look like? Can we just like throw extra money at it to make sure we didn't like underpay? What's what's kind of what are kind of the rules there? Right. So, right. It doesn't need to be exactly to the penalty to the penny. I would say you want to be within you know at least ninety percent of what you think your tax liability is going to be. So basically, you'll get hit with an estimated tax penalty if you don't pay in either ninety percent of the current year's taxes or 100% of the prior year's taxes. You know, if you make a certain amount of income, I think it's 110%. But basically, you'll want to make sure you're paying in close to, you know, as close as you can be to 100%, obviously. Um, but if you're a little bit less or a little bit over, it's not a big deal. Um, as long as you're paying in 90% in the current year, you shouldn't have an issue. Okay, sweet. So we got a little bit of wiggle room there. Nothing too crazy, but as long as you've generally got your books on point, shouldn't have any huge issues falling within a 10% margin of how much money you're actually making. Okay, sweet. So now in terms of actually like making those payments, I mean, what do we, what do we do? Do we just like get an envelope, address it to Uncle Sam and like throw it in the post box? Or like, how does, how does that work? Can you do it online? Like, how do you, how do you make these payments? Yeah, really, you can, you can, we actually have most of our clients mail in a check. It seems archaic, but um, the other option is to link your bank account with the IRS using their online portal. And um, not everyone is comfortable doing that, I think, having all their information directly linked to the government, but other people don't really mind. So yeah, you can make a payment online with a, a bank transfer. You can pay in using a, a check, a written check, um, or you could use a credit card, but I'm, I think they charge a 2% fee or something along those lines. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I, I know some people, I know Ryan will sometimes uh, shoot me a picture of like the check that he's sending in and be like, oh my God, I just bought a car for the for the IRS. But like, um, yeah, I, I I personally prefer to just do it online. I don't really care too much if the if the IRS has got my, <laughs> got my bank info. <laughs> Hopefully I don't do anything too bad <laughs> where that'll be an issue for me. But <laughs> definitely something to watch out for, I guess. Uh, so, so, so I guess that that kind of covers self-employment taxes pretty well. I mean, I think we kind of dove into kind of what they're, what they're for, and then the, the quarterly stuff, and then how to pay them actually in, in terms of, was there, is there anything else that you think is, is important to note in terms of the self-employment tax side of things? No, not really. I mean, I'm just keeping good records and um, really Making the estimated tax payments will be huge because you don't want to be hit with massive self-employment tax at the end of the year. As long as you really understand what it is and and generally, you know what your what the tax is, you know it should be pretty easy to plan for it once once you have a decent understanding of it. Totally agree. Cool. Well, Ed, that that pretty much wraps it up. I mean, you dropped a ton of, of valuable knowledge when it comes to taxes, and I think for the listeners who are just kind of coming in and being like, I know nothing about income taxes. I'm running this business. I'm making however much money as, as an entrepreneur. Like I think people definitely have a more solid understanding of how things work and they can definitely go out there and kind of fill in the missing pieces, find someone to help them out with this stuff and really just have that foundation in place for 
for this information because you're not really going to get it many other places. I mean, I'm sure you're not going to learn it in school, even if you take, I mean, I, I just graduated with like a financial planning degree and we didn't talk about any of this stuff. Like <laughs> it was very, very glossed over and I was like studying this. So <laughs> I'll tell you, it's, uh, you, you kind of have to go out of your way to learn this stuff. And for a lot of people, it's just not their, their idea of a good time. So hopefully this, uh, this little chat was able to, to fill some people in. So Ed, I wanted to just kind of finish with any last kind of tips you had in terms of reducing like overall tax burden for self-employed people. Are there any um, strategies that you find particularly effective or just like commonly overlooked areas or just like when it comes to, to a few, like any, any quick tips you have for, for self-employed people? Um, any, any come to mind? Yeah, I mean, generally doing as much research as you can on the topic will always be a benefit. Knowing as much, you know, as you can, as much knowledge as you can about the topic will always be helpful for you. Um, I would say consider speaking with a tax professional and just bouncing questions off of them. You know, people may have certain expenses that they didn't even think were business expenses, or they may have a home office and they didn't realize they can write off certain deductions on their taxes for their home office. So I would say just generally having as much knowledge as you can, speaking with the right people, and then really another nugget of information for your listeners, I would say, and this is a little bit more sophisticated, but once your net profit starts getting reasonable, and some people say this is 30,000, some say it's 50,000, some say it's 100,000, um, you, you'll really want to consider going for an S-corp status and putting your books, putting yourself on the books as a W-2 employee. Basically, what's, what that'll do is reduce the amount of self-employment tax you're paying. There could be an entire podcast about you know, the, how that works, but, but generally, I would say it's a good topic to keep in mind, especially if your business is growing and you think your profit will be substantial eventually then forming um, you know, an S-corp or going for an S-corp status, electing S-corp status will be definitely beneficial in saving on self-employment taxes. Sweet. That's actually, that's a, a, a potential future topic for the show. So we might have to have you back to chat about that at some point, because that's definitely a question that I've gotten quite a few times. So yeah, I think, yeah, keeping, keeping an eye out for, yeah, once those profits start to, to become significant, um, thinking about shifting over is definitely an important consideration. So We'll, we'll have to pick that back up later. Thanks for joining us, man. Where can the listeners go to find out more about you um, and kind of Candy Financial, Investing Simple, uh, kind of fill us in on, on the best places to, to find you at? Yeah, absolutely. So you can uh, find our financial planning firm at cantyfinancial.com. And then our personal finance blog is investingsimple.com. So you can find me at, at both of those. Um, yeah, and you can feel free to feel free to reach out. You know, ask me any questions. Uh, my contact info is on those sites, so should be able to find it. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time, Ed. I really appreciate it. Uh, you dropped a ton of valuable knowledge for the listeners, and I hope we were able to make uh, tax at least a little bit more accessible to to people who who don't actively seek out this kind of info. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. Yep. Have a great one. You too. Well, I hope y'all enjoyed this episode of the podcast with my good friend, Ed. I hope you weren't too intimidated by the topic. I'm glad you made it all the way through to the end. 
As always, if you have any questions about what we covered, feel free to reach out to either myself or our guest, Ed. Uh, he made himself pretty available and y'all know where to find me. So uh, that's, that's pretty much it. I hope you guys are having a wonderful Wednesday and uh, I look forward to seeing you in the next one. As always, if you have not yet left a review on iTunes, would really appreciate it. Uh, let me know your thoughts, whether it deserves a one star, whether it deserves a five star. I'd love to see it either way. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in the next one.